Hello, good evening. Uh, welcome to The Late Show. It is live right now. If you're watching it as a repeat, it will be say so um, on the top right-hand corner. But let me just say to you, as we're about to start the discussion um, on something which I'm sure everybody has a different view on, although there are only so, so many candidates, as it were, for who are the two witnesses that are mentioned in Revelation chapter 11. And probably why is it important to try and recognise who they are? Um, maybe that's not as important as actually being aware that they are going to be doing an incredible job in this 42-month period, which equals three and a half years, which equals 1260 days. So it's quite an interesting uh, time that they're going to be doing their powerful witnessing and doing uh, signs and wonders, which really I think a lot of us would love to be able to do. But all, with all the different candidates, I just have to say to you, you know, stay tuned because we're going to be opening up uh, the emails and we also have a special guest as well who's going to be joining us, uh, but that's you and I, are going to be joined by Pastor Derek Walker from Oxford Bible Church. So what I want to say to you is watch this short interview, which I managed to put together by the skin of my teeth as usual, and it gives you just that introduction as to the who are the two witnesses. I'm sure you would agree that we're living in unprecedented times where almost on a daily basis we hear some new threat to either our health, our wealth, our safety, or a major disaster which shocks us to the core. Live coverage of a tsunami. The coronavirus is the biggest threat this country has faced for decades. I'm disbanded until you actually see it. Living in today's world, we may ask, what does the future hold for mankind? Where are we heading? Surely any right-minded person wants to know what to expect in the future, even if it's not for ourselves, but for those whom we love and care about. Amongst all the bad news that's broadcast across the world every minute of the day, there is some good news. This good news can either fall on deaf ears, or as Jesus put it, let the reader use discernment. Most of us go day by day without giving a thought to the spiritual realm. Today I'm asking everyone, including the elect, who are these two witnesses mentioned in the book of Revelation? It's important that we identify who God's two witnesses are because they are about to enter the world stage with tremendous power and authority given to them by God. The next three big questions I would say are, who are these two witnesses? What is their role? And why should we be concerned about them right now? Many theologians are expecting Christ to return before the end of the sixth millennium, which we are fast approaching. These two witnesses are due to come before Jesus returns. 
So this is why it is so necessary for us to tackle these three big questions. Although the book of Revelation is not an easy book to comprehend. But we must make a start. Let's do that now. Check this out, for example, in Revelation chapter 11, verses 5 to 6, where it says, If anyone wants to harm them, fire flows out of their mouth and devours their enemies. And so if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this way. These have the power to shut up the sky so that the rain will not fall during the days of their prophesying. And they have the power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every plague as often as they desire. Incredible power these two witnesses have. The days of these two witnesses will for sure go viral. Every eye will see across the whole world, just as it's written, that every eye will see the return of Jesus Christ. Today's technology allows for this to happen. Anyway, let's cut to the chase. Start with identifying who the two witnesses are. Some believe these two witnesses are Enoch and Elijah, as both of them never died because God took them, removed them from the earth. Or maybe they're Moses and Elijah. Or even John the Baptist could be one of them, fulfilling the prophecy of Malachi. The two witnesses are two of God's prophets that were seen in a vision given to the Apostle John while on the Isle of Patmos. So who are the two witnesses? I want to introduce my co-host, Dr. Hugh Jackman. Thank you very much for being with me again on The Late Show. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a good one. What a wonderful intro. That was really, really well done. Thank you. And I, I must say, it really it makes you feel like really getting into the subject. Yeah. We're going to be joined very shortly uh, by Pastor Derek Walker from Oxford Bible Church. Let me just say a quick hello to Pastor Derek. Good evening, sir. Hello, Howard. Good to you. Good hey. to see you. Yeah, bless you. You've written uh, many books, as you, we can see behind you, placed there. And uh, that's without even turning the corner, because we had a quick look around your place just before the show went live. Amazing. I have to say, uh, Pastor Derek, you know, you, how you get the time to pastor church, run uh, and keep yourself busy, uh, earning a living as well at the same time, and also doing all the things that you do for Revelation TV, including uh, heading uh, or working with the Bible study team. It's great. And we really do appreciate it. I know our viewers do too. I think God has specialists in certain areas and Derek's definitely one of them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's my first port of call. Uh, and uh, as I say, he answered the call very, very uh, gentlemanly and uh, took the time to be with us tonight. So let's, as I say, cut to the chase. Let's get straight to it. Derek, I mean, what are your thoughts on who possibly could be the candidates, the two candidates, out of uh, people like Enoch and Elijah, some have said, Moses and Elijah, and even John the Baptist. Could there be any connection between any of those three as being possibilities of being uh, the two witnesses in that time just before Christ returns in that half the period that just before um, as I say, the, the rest of the tribulation, because I think it's the first part of the tribulation, these guys show themselves. 
Well, I would say, first of all, uh, your assumption is absolutely right. I mean, there are people who would love to spiritualize the two witnesses that, like, they represent Israel and the church or things like this. And, and we have to reject that because um, the Bible is clear if we just take it in its plain meaning that these are two anointed ones, two anointed prophets of God who have a special ministry in the end times. And uh, in, in particular, it's related to a rebuilt temple, uh, the Jewish temple. The context of Revelation 11 talks about the temple of God. And uh, when it describes these two witnesses, it basically says, uh, verse, Revelation 11, verse 4, these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. Uh, that means that they are prophets who stand before God, receive God's message, and they have a worldwide ministry from the temple. And um, we know it's the temple in Jerusalem because when they're killed, it describes that their bodies lie in the broad place or the broad street or plaza, the temple mount, in other words, uh, of the city where, where Jesus was crucified. So they have their ministry is based in Jerusalem at the temple. And the reference to the two olive trees takes us back to Zechariah chapter 4, which is a prophecy about the future temple that God is going to build. And the function of a temple is to be the light to the world. And the menorah represents that. And these olive tree, these are two uh, witnesses are compared to two olive trees that supply the anointed ministry that produces the light to the world. Um, so they will have a worldwide ministry from the temple. Now, to answer your question, having said all of that, my personal belief, which I'm ready to give many reasons for, is that the two witnesses are Moses and Elijah. Okay, and let's hear your take on that and why. Well, I would uh, say, first of all, um, that the miracles that they do are distinctive of Elijah miracles and Moses miracles. For instance, the fire from heaven that your intro talked mm -hmm. about, that's something that Elijah uniquely operated in, in protecting him from his enemies, because they're going to be on the Temple Mount. All the authorities will want to kick them off, but they won't be able to because of that. And that's exactly what happened in Elijah in 2 Kings 1. Then also it says they have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And that's exactly what Elijah did for three and a half years. And in the same way, these two witnesses have a ministry for three and a half years. And they will shut the heavens in the same way that Elijah did. And then Elijah had a bodily ascension to heaven. And these two witnesses, when they are they, they're killed, but then they're resurrected and then they ascend to heaven. The also, there are Moses' miracles because it says that they have power to do all kinds of plagues, especially to turn waters into blood mm -hmm. and to strike the earth with all plagues. So that's, that's distinctive of Moses, if you remember, with the, the plagues of Egypt. Exactly, yes. Right so up his street. That's the first mm -hmm. uh, line of evidence is, is if you look at the miracles that they do. Um, the second thing I would say is that one of them, in my mind, has to be Elijah, 
It's um, there's because uh, in Malachi chapter four, it is practically the last prophecy of the Old Testament. God says, "Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord, before the second coming." And um, Jesus confirmed this, you know, in um, in Matthew uh, chapter seventeen. He, he said uh, that Elijah is coming. They said, uh, Elijah is coming and will restore all things. And, and so uh, he did also say that, you know, in, in a sense, in a typological sense, Elijah had come in the sense that John the John Baptist, Baptist filled yeah. an Elijah ministry. Mm -hmm. But then he said, Elijah is going to come still in the future and he will restore all things. He'll restore the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers another this is talking about the repentance of israel to to return to the god of their fathers abraham isaac and jacob you know because the repentance of israel is is the first purpose of their ministry to call israel as well as the world to repentance in preparation for the second coming of christ so um you know I, I would say that um, that's an interesting one. And, but why do they call them the two witnesses? Um, I believe it's because it was Moses and Elijah at the Mount of Transfiguration. Yep. Uh, I believe that's very important. Um, they were there. That indicates that God set them apart from all the other Old Testament saints. They were not in Sheol. Hades, like the others, they have been chosen for a particular ministry, not just to have a chat with Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration. There's clearly something else going on here. And they were talking with Jesus about his coming uh, death and resurrection. And I believe that they stuck around and they witnessed everything um, in Jesus' ministry leading to his death, resurrection, and ascension. And if you notice, in Acts 1, when Jesus ascended from the dead, it says there were two men, two mysterious men standing by saying, the same way you see Jesus go into heaven, he will return. Mm. That, I believe, is okay. Moses and Elijah. They're why? the two men. Now, why does it call them the witnesses? Let me just finish okay. this one thought. Because the Jewish Sanhedrin has made an official verdict uh, against Jesus that he isn't the Messiah, that he is a blasphemer for claiming to be the God-man Messiah. And therefore, the Jewish Sanhedrin must change their verdict on Jesus and accept Jesus as the Messiah. And that's what has to happen in the tribulation. And these are two eyewitnesses because Je Moses and Elijah were present during the ministry of Jesus. They are eyewitnesses to all the events of the Gospels. And therefore, they will give their eyewitness testimony, first of all, to the Jewish leadership. And as a result of their ministry, in the end, the, the Jewish leadership will, will repent of their rejection of the Messiah, Jesus, right. and they will accept Jesus. Right. Well, Derek, what I'm going to suggest, because I'm literally uh, this thinking on uh, on my feet here, is that I would love you to stay tuned, as we talked about before uh, that we went live, and uh, so you're listening in the background as it were and getting on with other things, but I'll come back to you before we finish so that you can actually say uh, and hear what other people are saying, even talking amongst ourselves, because before I came, in, uh, went live, we, 
myself, Hugh, and also Bior, we were talking about this and, and all the sort of po positive uh, points about why each candidate uh, could be one of the two witnesses, all the things that you've been talking about tonight as well. Uh, so we'll come back to you, if we may, and, okay. uh, and listen in the background, and we'll be reading emails as well uh, from live at revelationtv.com. And as I say, this is Wednesday evening, and we're going to be uh, dealing with as many as we can. Okay, this is brilliant. Now, having heard that, Hugh, what, what's, what are your thoughts now? Well, there's some really good points there that Derek's brought up. Well, just, I mean, first of all, let me say, I mean, I... I I do believe that, that pretty much everything that um, uh, Derek has said is, is bang on. I mean, I, I, you know, Derek, he's, this is his field. Having said that, I, I do tend to see things slightly differently. In just, and I think it's just because, you know, we talked a few weeks ago about this, the, the Jewish ex, exegesis me method, sorry, couldn't get the word out tonight, um, that really allows you to see different sides of, of the same picture. And so essentially we're, we're all agreeing that, that, you know, there is going to be a rapture. We might rapture, we might disagree on when, <laughs> but we all agree it's going to happen. We all agree, as Derek said, that we need to d disregard the thought of, of just thinking about it as a, you know, a symbolic uh, thing and actually see this as two people. So I think we're all agreed on that. So for me, um, I just, I, I'm a little bit hung on the words of Jesus on this one. I agreed 100% with everything um, Derek was saying, and I watched a lot of people talking about it, but there was a, but Derek mentioned it there just now, I did, did say it to him, and he kind of already um, uh, mentioned in his preamble, but, but there were two, I ended up with two people that I thought I pretty much could scripturally back up who these people are. Uh, and that would be, for me, uh, would be Moses, and uh, which agrees with Derek. And I first of all thought Elijah, but then I, I did remember the words of Jesus, the words that Jesus spoke. And, and if I can read just one scripture from Matthew 17, 12, this is the one that really sort of changed my mind a little bit. It was just the way Jesus spoke about Elijah. And this is what he said in Matthew 17, 12. He actually said it twice. He said it in, in Matthew 11 as well. But in Matthew 17, 12, he said, but I say to you, well, let's read the whole thing. He says, Jesus answered and said to them, indeed, Elijah is coming first and restore all things. And I think Derek was referring to that earlier on. But... <laughs> The horrible word, a, that, that conjunction here. word that, that, that kind of says, disregard that, and, right. but listen to this. And he says, but I say to you that Elijah has come already. Yep. And that seems to discount what he said earlier on. Then he said, and they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the Son of Man is about to suffer at their hands. And so, just with that, and that alone, that's the only part Yeah, but the that, next line... That, yeah, sorry, I beg your pardon. As well, he's very Are you want me to read on? Okay, so it says, uh, then, uh, then the disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the Baptist. So, uh, but you said that in a lower tone. Yeah. I would have said it like, and then he spoke to them about the... Um, yeah. Uh, that they were, I was, I was they were yeah, understanding yeah. that it was actually, could be, John the Baptist. Absolutely. Well, the, the reason why I read that in a lower tone is because if you look at Matthew eleven thirteen. He says the same thing, but he says it more, more directly. He says, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. 
He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So in so, other words, he's already been. He's already he's arrived. That, that's, yes. that was my thought pattern on it. And just really, just because the Lord said it. That's the only thing that sort of changed my mind on, on whether or not the, the, the other person could be Elijah. Just so, because the Lord said yeah, that. Good point. So could you understand then when, um, was it Malachi who prophesied that uh, Elijah would come before Jesus would come, right? Yeah. Now, was it on Jesus' return or on his first visit? Because in that case, John the Baptist would have fit that particular one. Ah, yeah, absolutely. No, I'll agree with you. Yeah. Exactly. So that's a, just a query yeah, there. Good point, yeah. But the, the, just going back to the candidates, as it were, here, mm -hmm. Enoch, for me, doesn't get in it. I know, no? you know, at all. Not for me, okay. anyway. But Elijah does, because he never saw death or experienced death. He was taken up. Um, and so was Moses in a way, because nobody found his body. Now, whether or not he actually died, or not, it doesn't matter, um, because you see him in the transfiguration, as, as Derek was saying, with Elijah, those two together talking. And the disciples were quite bemused and, and quite taken back. But the, both of those had a similarity, and as has already been spoken, had uh, the ability to deal with plagues, fire, and uh, changing the waters to blood, and all of these other things. Yeah, these are all said, calling yeah. cards or calling signs mm -hmm. uh, of their ministry in the past. So it's quite interesting. Can, uh, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Why, why, why did you, what's the reason for discounting Enoch? Just because, because he was also taken, he didn't see death. That's right, exactly. No, it's good that you mentioned that. But for some reason, he's not mentioned anywhere else yeah. in, in the scriptures where you've got the possibility of John being, um, you know, sort of a fulfillment of Elijah um, mm. coming back. And also uh, Moses is a, is a definite. But then there are some other things that I want to talk yeah. to you about yeah. um, as we can get through the evening. But... Um, Let's look at some of the other things uh, that are, are compelling reasons. You know, why Elijah? Well, in the book of Kings, uh, it, uh, Elijah demonstrated his ability to bring down fire, as we said, from the heavens. And um, also, the prophet Malachi mentioned this, Behold, I will send Elijah the prophet before the coming and great and dreadful day of the Lord. So you see, that isn't the coming of the dreadful day day of dread, is it, when um, um, Eli Elijah, the, through the, John the Baptist, would have come that time, you know, 2,000 years ago. That wasn't the day of dread. That was, the, if you like, it was the, the time that even John the Baptist took pleasure in announcing that this is the Son of God, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Mm. So that was a good, a joyous time. But so... Could Elijah really be coming back um, just before the Lord returns in this 42-month period? When you look at what's going to happen, I mean, it's a dreadful time. Mm. I mean, the power that these two witnesses are going to be able to demonstrate is incredible. Mm. They can call down anything uh, they want. They could shut up the rains. They can call down the plagues. They can, um, I suppose, just almost like take out people's lives yeah. if they want to, you know? Yeah. They will be consumed with fire. Uh, their enemies will be consumed. So that's a day of awe and dread. It's an exciting prospect if you think about it. And, and what you say is true, Howard, and, you know, God is God after all. And he can do whatever he wants. Uh, so I guess we're just discussing it. But it, it does fill me with 
real, it makes me passionate and it makes, it's wonderful to think that there's a day ahead. I know it's in horrible mm. times and I know these won't be good times on the earth, but it does fill me with some excitement to think that the Bible speaks of these days coming back. When I think about the days of, you know, Joshua telling the sun to, to, to stand. stand still uh, and so on and so forth, that the days of that kind of power will return to the earth. People yeah. like uh, us hold on to that thought yeah. on a daily basis. I, uh, before we get to the emails, let yeah. me, there's so one other around. set of, uh, if you like, people might say, well, it's symbolisms um, it, that have been used here. But, and I know Derek uh, sort of discounted it at the beginning, but you know, he'll hopefully come back and, and explain why. Uh, but the other thing to consider is where, why is it mentioning these two olive trees and these two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth? Mm. What, what is this, the significance? I think Derek explained that perfectly in his, in his, uh, in his dialogue. Okay, let, let me continue yeah. then. This is yeah. something to consider which I, I was studying and I'm sure other people have done it too and I'm sure Derek has as well. Mm. But the two olive trees and the two lampstands, in Zechariah chapter 4 it talks about this, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top of the seven lamps on it with the seven, and then goes on to describe it even more. Also he saw the two olive trees, uh, one at uh, the right hand side of the bowl and the other on the left. And in Zechariah it said, these are the two who are anointed to serve the Lord of all the earth. Isn't that interesting? So it isn't necessarily talking about just physical lampstands mm -hmm. and physical um, bowls, right? And the, and the trees, the olive trees. Right. Okay. So it's saying these are the two who are anointed to serve me, okay, in all the earth. Mm. And in Jeremiah it talks about this, that, um, that the olive tr uh, tree... Uh, what it meant and it's saying the Lord called you a thriving olive, olive tree with a beautiful form and it goes on and on and on who do you think does this ring any bells when God is speaking to a people group that are called a thriving olive tree yeah. okay bear that in mind mm. um, okay the other one is in Jeremiah 11 it's talking about because the people of both Israel and Judah have done evil and aroused my anger and um, by burning incense to Baal and in this context talking about also in the New Testament we see that the olive tree is also mentioned in Paul's letter in the Romans mm -hmm. chapter 13 chapter 11 verse 13 sorry Paul explains he's speaking to the Gentile people who are not Jewish as well that are grafted into this olive tree um, and in um, the same chapter Romans it talks about the branches being broken off because of their disobedience We're talking about the Jewish people at that time okay and the Gentiles being grafted in so could this be talking about two people groups it could be as well, I think absolutely. It's, it's, there's symbolism there as well, isn't there? Right, but yeah. there's also a connection, I know it to was discounted, people, to yeah. the people who are going the to be, yeah. who are, it talks very clearly about us as the church should not become arrogant. Absolutely. Um, because um, they, we tend to think that replacement theology is something which is, you know, um, we know it's wrong theology, but it, it can get to people thinking that the Jews have lost it but there we are grafted into this their olive tree yeah. which is the original and if we're not careful we will as it says be lopped off 
quite easily because we're a wild implant but it's still nevertheless it's not until the fullness of the Gentiles is complete that w that this olive tree that uh, symbolizes both Jew and Gentile mm -hmm. actually starts to do a work and could that not be what is meant by um, the, the, the two olive trees and the two lampstands mm -hmm. and when we look at scripture I mean I'm just mentioning this because the the, the ten virgins they had to have their uh, you know the oil filled in their lamps and the wicks trimmed mm. ready for the return of the Lord so the announcing of the coming of the Lord is in both the interests if you like of the Jews who want to witness once they get that full revelation of who their Messiah is many uh, Jews as we know Messianic Jews are in already in operation of that but in these 42 months that are to come yes could it not be the full uh, if you likeness of Israel yes and the church those two people groups could they be the two witnesses I'm just putting that in there as well <laughs> well and it, yeah it is fascinating because at the moment um, when we look at numbers, just sheer numbers, uh, we're in the age, the church age presently. So clearly the church is growing rapidly. Um, blindness in part is on, is on Israel as a people. And so that means that yes, there are messianic believers, but they're not the majority. And I think what you might be suggesting is in those days, the, the table might turn and you, we might see the fullness or we begin to see the fullness of Israel uh, coming to the Lord, which the scripture just that does say will happen. Yeah. It's now, fascinating. In that same chapter uh, 11 of Revelation, mm. people might say, well, you know, how can you have those as symbols? Well, we know that um, in the very same chapter, it also talks about uh, the, identifies, if you like, um, the beast you know, and the Antichrist, as a, in a metaphor, as mm. uh, an animal or a beast. You sure. Know? And um, that is something which is in the same context, uh, if you like, or explanation, as symbolisms of who these two uh, witnesses could be. Yeah, as in Just the beast, the beast could be a system, you mean? Is that what you mean? Well, the beast is going to be uh, leading up to the Antichrist. He comes up at yeah. that time, and he's the one who wages war against these two witnesses yeah. and obviously after a period of time um, I think it's the 42 months is it not they're actually uh, killed yeah um, and uh, that's how uh, the man of lawlessness and all of this actually comes to, to like the wo new world system as it were um, and then you're in the middle of the hopefully in the middle of the great time of tri trouble or great tribulation yeah. anyway let's read uh, the emails do you, do you want to hear some responses because yes. there, there have been literally loads i won't put in any opinions on these yeah i'll read them out amanda from belfast i don't think there will be a mid-tribulation rapture because the bible says that the world will be shocked when the two witnesses are raptured uh, but why would they be focused solely on two people if a billion christians disappear at the same time all right, Amanda, good point. I'm not going to comment on them, right. I'll just yeah, read them out. Hi, both. According to the writers, uh, 
Tertullian, I'm sure Tertullian. Derek would know something about this, uh, Iraeus and Hippolytus, hope I got those n names correct, of Rome, uh, they were Enoch and Elijah, uh, the two prophets who did not die because God took them according to other biblical passages, says Dave. All right. Um, <laughs> Dory, you said I probably won't read this out. <laughs> But I, I, and you go on to say that you, we don't read out your emails, but you've used an opportunity there and lost it, but we've read it. Uh, great topic again tonight. Uh, blessed to hear from you always, says Alwyn. Rita says uh, Matthew uh, 1 genealogy shows 14 generations from Abraham to David. 14 generations from David to, carrying, to the carrying away to Babylon and 14 generations from carrying away uh, to Christ. And then she adds them up and says 14, 14 plus 14 equals 42. Is that correct? I'm not, I can't do my mental arithmetic while I'm working. Three, fours are 12, yeah. Yeah, okay. The time period of 42 could represent the Old Testament, she says, uh, Rita says, from Abraham to Christ. The two witnesses, uh, according to Rita, are Jesus... He is the witness of God. God is a witness of Jesus. Moses and Elijah were the two witnesses in the Old Testament. Says Rita. There's a view. All right. Yeah. A very good evening to you, Howard and Hugh and Derek, I should say. Uh, the, three of, the three and a half year ministry of the two witnesses will take place in the last half of the seven year tribulation and not the first half. Uh, during the uh, first half of the seven years, they will be building up their ministry as Christians begin to recognize who they are. They are already here on earth and will not fly down from heaven as many believe, according to Rob. So you've got a lot of views coming in here from different people. Um, uh, Rob simply says, uh, well done for doing the show. Um, uh, uh, the church should be active. I agree with this point. The actively, uh, the church should be actively looking forward uh, to the two witnesses as they will lead all Christians in helping the church to understand what is going on in the end days. Good point. All right, maybe just one one more, and then I'll hand back to you while I gather some more. Howard, mm -hmm. um, just one more says the two witnesses are Christians who will end up in Jerusalem for the last. Half of, did I just read that? I think that's actually been sent twice. I beg your pardon. That's you, Rob, you've sent it twice. Um, well, after fervently studying the end times, says uh, Wayne and Wend, many years ago, and without anybody else's ideolog ideological influences, we also came to the conclusion that the rapture could very well be mid-tribulation. And we also believe that the two witnesses could certainly be the ones that appeared with Jesus on the mountain of transfiguration which is, of course, Moses and Elijah. They're agreeing uh, with, um, with uh, Derek. Um, and uh, maybe just one more. I believe Elijah and Moses, and we are at the beginning of the end days. I'm so looking forward to Jesus coming back to this earth and his heart. Uh, sorry, breaking. Sorry, can't read the rest. It's not clear, Joan, but thanks for the email. Okay. Yeah. Howard, responses. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I just think it's fascinating because, we, you know, it, it's easier to do off air when you, we're more natural, as it were. There's a lot of uh, information here that to try and take it all on, on board at once. But, you know, um, I would, uh, 
if there's anybody out there that uh, has uh, any more that they would like to put to this, uh, we've got a few more minutes. We've got about 17 well, minutes left on this. There's lots more happening. Francis, you've written to say that you're very disappointed and you don't think that... Uh, <laughs> I won't say what you said. You said something a bit unkind, but you haven't said what your view is. Why don't you send your view in so we can hear what you think about it? He doesn't agree with uh, something that, uh, that Derek said. Hi, uh, Howard and... But can't we agree to just disagree? And well, of just course put we can. Two pennies and put, and, and put, your, put your view forward. Let, yeah, let's I mean, hear what uh, you the have disciples uh, didn't always agree with each other, but they talked about it. You don't have to be um, <laughs> well, well, here's awkward. One, here's one that, that both you and, you and uh, uh, Derek mentioned. Hi, Howard, uh, um, and the rest. It doesn't matter about yeah. the names. This is Chris from Ireland. I think we are a bit gullible, he says, if we think for one moment that Jesus is dependent on the technology of man for every eye to see his returns. Mm. That's an interesting point, isn't no, it? No, but if you think about it in practical terms, yeah. um, if Jesus comes back at any one time, which he will, at the different time zones, it'll be dark, it'll be light, it'll be mid, uh, dark you know well, so, let me just finish his email because yeah. he said i think we missed the whole point jesus is the light of the world the whole world would be filled with that brilliant light that was never seen before that's okay. what he was saying yeah, okay yeah. but i mean okay the earth is round okay so if he's down here or he's up here the other part as the earth is turning you know i think it makes more sense and we've never had the technology that we've had uh, ever before except in our in our 21st century or yeah. 20th century at least yeah. You know, so yeah. All right. So Dylan, he offers a different theory on one of the witnesses. He says, "I think one of the witnesses may be Paul, one of the two witnesses, because of his zeal to serve God." Yeah. All right. Okay. Heard zeal. That one before? But the thing is that the ability to be able to call down fire, to turn the waters to blood, uh, to be able to just do the things that these great men, if they are uh, men uh, of God, or if they're um, symbolic or stand for um, a group of, or two groups of people, then, um, yeah. I like these emails coming in. They're really, really good thinking emails. Uh, Demebo, you say, I agree and, be and believe uh, with Dr. Walker because the Lord Jesus was having a conversation with Moses and Elijah at the Transfiguration when his disciples were asleep and could not wait up for him. And then the next email that came in said... Uh, do not know for certain who the witnesses are, but I do know that everyone that is born again is called to be a witness. Jesus said in Acts 1 and verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the utmost parts of the earth. Wouldn't it be great if the Christians could do the acts that were described of those two? Absolutely. But that's, <laughs> this is exactly that's, what's going yeah, to happen. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's going yeah. to be amazing. The world is going to be amazed. Yeah. Um, now, the other thing I was thinking of, and Derek touched on this as well, is that uh, for all of this to happen, that the temple is mentioned in Scripture. Absolutely. So, does that mean if we're having to wait till the third temple is built, and let's face it, I mean, I think the temple took like 30 or 40 years to build the last one, yeah? So, our timing, if we're in, at the end of the sixth millennium, which could end in the next 10 or 20 years, mm -hmm. is there time to build a temple, literally, in that period? Not really. So I'm just thinking the other day about this as I was studying this. You know, we have all sorts of things that are either symbolic mm. of things or virtual. 
you know, we live in the, the world of virtual reality. Okay. Could there be a virtual third temple? A meta temple. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Just because it has to figuratively be there because it's the Antichrist who presents himself, which is an abomination, and he sits in the place of where God is. That's his place. And it is um, an abomination. It's mentioned in Daniel. And it's also mentioned in, in Matthew 24, I think Jesus actually uses that, when he, this uh, time of abomination takes place. Yeah. Very, very, very interesting up. point. A meta temple. Okay, Alan, you say the description of the two witnesses is heavily dependent on your position on the rapture. Good point. If you believe in a pre-tribulation, then the witnesses cannot be anything other than two divine beings whether Old Testament prophets or other beings. If you believe in the post-tribulation uh, rapture, then the two witnesses are the church and Israel. Yeah, okay. that's it, yeah. Um, candlesticks are representative of the church, as in Revelation 1, verse 20, or the olive tree, which again is representative of the church and Israel. The church is the current witness to the nations, and during the tribulation, the Israel nation will also become a witness as in the building of the temple. Just a thought. Mm. I kind of think that's interesting, but I also think that the, the, the two are linked. I don't think, mm. I don't see, it, does it have to be one or the other, or can it be both? That's All a right. very good one. Can yeah. I just read this scripture yeah, in Matthew, just going back to that time of the abomination. Jesus' words, it's all mentioned there when he's speaking on the Mount of Olives to the, his disciples. It says in verse 15, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which is spoken of through the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader use discernment. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. And this is something which is still yet to come. Yeah. So uh, there has to be a temple. Well, we know at the moment there isn't a temple. Mm. So it either has to be rebuilt or uh, there's some other significant uh, way in which it is going to be represented. Mm. But it's the Antichrist who sits himself in that seat. Interesting. I believe. Okay. Um, Chris, you say uh, you're going you're gonna to suggest that it's Elijah and Enoch. Uh, otherwise, Moses, you say, would have had to die twice. How unfair is that, you say? Did Moses die? Well, scriptures? God, uh, if he did, he hid his body. Yeah. Yeah, I think the scripture refers in a way that possibly... Uh, they, he didn't want people making, if you like, a shrine uh, uh, to Moses. Okay. Um, uh, I must say, I really never knew anything about the great witnesses. I wanted to ask, will they be born of a virgin like Mary, or will they just descend from heaven, says Jane? I'll let one of you guys answer that one. Well, that's um, a good question um, yeah. to Jane. To, for, for um, and uh, hi all, thank you so much for your show tonight. You've brought, oh, now that's a good email. Thanks for that, Chris. You said you have brought the Bible into my life. Hearing your program tonight has awakened me. Didn't now we that, say that yes. before the show? Absolutely, we said it this morning. I hear wow. your message. Your message has me standing in awe. When will this come about? What is the timeline? I want to get, you know, I feel the presence of God. Because oh. that's just, when, when you open <laughs> yeah. the Word of God, and uh, well, you said this last week, many are sort of afraid to look into the yeah, book of I, Revelation. Yeah, I'm afraid. I didn't even yeah. want to do this because yeah. I, I don't feel qualified. But 
God was putting on my heart that we've got to attempt together to, to wade through these scriptures and, uh, and understand them, especially yeah. the book of Revelation. It's so important, yeah. and yet it's so hard to understand. And the emails are just rolling, and there's no way we can get through all these emails, guys. I mean, there's just no way, but because they're literally okay. just yeah. flying well, in. Got to... But let me just preface this. I, I know yeah. you want to bring uh, Derek back for mm. a minute, so just maybe one or two more. I agree that the two witnesses are Elijah and Moses, However, I believe that prophecy can mean uh, more than one thing yep. uh, and can have more than one uh, meaning, as it were. So let me explain. Joel 2 mentions the last days in Acts uh, 2 at Pentecost, but again in Acts 2, Peter says, uh, this happens again. I believe, this could yeah, I, I could, I, I believe this could happen even within the next 10 years as believe we are near the final dispensation and the fullness of the times mentioned in Ephesians 1.10. Um, I'll leave it there. Yeah. I'll have to About move on to the next one because it's getting a bit long. Yeah. Um, could the witnesses be Joshua, the priest, and Zerubbabel? Somebody says, Belinda. Uh, the governor mentioned in Zechariah, there are two witnesses. Okay. Um, you say in your Bible, Zechariah references given as the witnesses in Revelation. There's a re they're probably just the word witnesses probably is what's connecting the two together there. I'll have to stop there and hand back to you because there's just yeah. so many. How well, let's I get can just carry on. Uh, Pastor Derek back yeah. as well. Uh, Pastor Derek, hopefully you're still with us there in uh, Oxford. Hello. How you doing, brother? Thank you. Any, we've got a uh, few more minutes left. Uh, so if you could, uh, what, what you've been able to pick up, you know, um, what would you say was some of the things that are the comments that have been made about the witnesses? Yeah, there would be so much to say, but I would say it all comes down to how you interpret the Bible. And I think the unrestrained use of symbolism is dangerous because then you can make the Bible mean anything. Yep. You know, the fundamental principle really is if the plain sense makes sense, seek no other sense. So you do have a lot of symbols in language, and especially in the book of Revelation, but that doesn't give us permission just to symbolize everything. Uh, for example, you know, when you look at the two witnesses, they're clearly men. They, they preach, they call down judgments, they're killed, they're buried. Well, they're not buried, but their bodies lay on the, on the Temple Mount, and then they're resurrected, then they're caught up into heaven. This is, this is obviously talking about two, two men, okay? Now, you can allegorize things, but you must stay with the interpretation, because otherwise that opens the door to, to bad theology like replacement theology. You see, the whole reason why people accept replacement theology is they don't take it literally. When the Bible talks about Israel, they say, oh, it's symbolic of the church. Forget Israel you see. And as soon as we take that approach to the Bible, we can make it mean anything. And, and I would apply that as well to, you know, the other point about, you know, Elijah, you know, in, in Matthew 17, he says, indeed, Elijah is coming first and rest will restore all things. Malachi specifically says Elijah, and God would be a liar if that is not literally fulfilled. I mean, if I gave you a prophecy, Howard, and said, you know, Howard, I'm, thus says the Lord, I'm going to give you a million pounds, all right? And then the a million pounds doesn't turn up, and, and Hugh gets the million pounds instead. Thank you very and much. And then I would say, well, actually, I wasn't really talking about Howard. I meant you. He's the spiritual Howard, you know. And we would question God's integrity. So if God says Elijah is coming first, 
he, he means that. Elijah will come. And then it says, but I say to you, but the, that word but could equally well be translated and. And I say to you that Elijah has come already because John came in the spirit and power of Elijah. So it's not either or, it's both. Mm, I got you. John fulfilled the Elijah ministry mm. and he was rejected. But then the, the prophecy of Elijah must be fulfilled because God says it. Mm. So I think if we follow what I would call the literal interpretation of prophecy, we have to say they are two men. I would say they have to be one of three men, Moses, Elijah, or Enoch, because they're the only three men whose bodies, uh, we don't know exactly what happened to them, because a physical, carnal, sinful human body cannot go to heaven. But we know that Elijah ascended up, uh, maybe just to the first heaven, but he wasn't buried. So God has got his body for potential future use. Enoch, we know nothing about. Moses, just to make that clear, Moses did die. He was buried, but then God came for his body. The archangel Michael in Jude came for his body, and Satan contested him over his body. But presumably God wanted the body for future use. So oh. in, in both cases, you see, their, their bodies have been preserved, I would say, in God's refrigerator, if you like, um, stasis chamber, for future use. And so at a future time, I believe God will rejoin their, their, their spirits with their bodies, and uh, they, they will appear, and they will start the, their ministry in, in the temple. Yeah. So I guess that's my main feedback from the different uh, right. discussions. So at the time when this is going to happen, this is in the first part of the tribulation. Would you agree with that? I do believe that. I understand people do argue for the second half, but it fits with the first half perfectly because in the first half, it's functioning as a temple of God. In the second half, it's not functioning as a temple of God. The temple has been desecrated by the Antichrist. Yeah. So Zechariah 4 says that these two witnesses will fulfill a temple ministry and therefore it has to be in the first half of the tribulation. Daniel's 70 weeks tells us that halfway through the 70th week, halfway through the seven years, the Antichrist is going to invade Israel, break the covenant, stop the Jewish worship. And at that point, that fits perfectly with Revelation 11, that that's when he kills, is allowed to kill the two witnesses. And then raised from the dead as the final sign of Jonah to, to Israel. And that's when, jo that's when the abomination takes place and that's when the Jews uh, flee. So everything fits perfectly when you understand that uh, it's in the first three and a half years. Right, let me just ask you one other thing uh, that I'm sure a lot of people will be trying to do their maths as well. If we're in towards the end of the sixth millennium, um, which could be in the coming 10, 20, 30, 40 years or whatever, um, that's not enough time, is it, to actually build, rebuild a third temple uh, physically? Mm. Yeah, I, you know, the temple did not take 30. Uh, when Herod beautified the temple and expanded it, you know, that, that the whole process took a long time. But um, the, a temple now, especially nowadays, could be built. In fact, the um, Temple Institute has got everything prepared, including the altar. To have a functioning temple, you don't need to have everything perfectly decorated. You essentially need an altar. That, that's the, the, the absolute basis.
basic. That's right. And uh, they've already yeah. prepared the altar. So they said at the Temple Institute when I visited them, the temple could be up and running in a few days. My goodness, right. Yeah, you know, oh, they, could, they could then they could in, in, improve it and mm. develop it, especially with modern construction. Right. It would not take long. Right. I mean, the, we saw in Wuhan, they built a hospital in, what, a week or three days or whatever it is. Um, and didn't Jesus say he could raise it up in three days? I know he was talking metaphorically yeah. about him, his own body, but, but it's very if, interesting. If the motivation is there and if the opportunity mm. is there, it could be done. And the Jews are already, you know, the, they've, there's one group that has the priesthood is prepared. And the Temple Institute has essentially prepared all the necessary uh, equipment already so they, they are ready to to go right derek thank you so much for being with us today but we've actually i think uh, achieved done something we got in our last minute so stay yeah. tuned just for a second though and just to say lots of people have written in to say how wonderful the program was they loved your interpretations they loved uh, uh derek's uh, interpretations as well so it's just been a really really good program as far as the viewers are concerned yeah. anyway well that's good and you know what i think this is something uh, that god's put on my heart and i'm going to tackle them even though it's, i don't feel qualified but at least i'm i'm I have the ability to do a program like this and we can bring it before you everybody could take part in it and we can have uh, men and women of god also speaking into this you know uh you i just got to say Brilliant. thank you again absolutely Brilliant. really enjoyed yeah. it Brilliant. I feel at home with you as well. Thank that you so email much. that said, that yes. really just nailed it all. Brought the, yeah. brought to the brought church. The, the Bible to life. Yeah. That's, that's what you it. want to do. Bible to life. You know, we need more of that because, you know, the word of God is alive. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. And it is the spirit of God that will interpret it for us. So just stay tuned to Revelation TV and we'll bring you these revelations as they come from the throne of God to you. God bless. Amen.